We pray. Heavenly Father, sanctify us by the truth. Your word is truth. Amen. Wednesday was the 18th anniversary of the 9-11 attacks on the Twin Towers, the Pentagon, and Flight 93. And every year that passes, I always hear uh, of, of some new story from that event, usually through Facebook or, or something else, uh, of heroes going into the buildings against the, the crowds of people rushing out, such as the 343 firefighters that went in, including one chaplain or pastor. Uh, and, and this year, I, I heard of a man named Wells Crother who worked above the spot where the, the plane hit the South Tower and who actually made it down below the fires and he helped other people along the way, including carrying one young lady on his back. And, and, and he's uh, become famous and he's become known as the Red Bandana Guy because when he made it down to safety, he dropped the, the, the young lady off. He tied the red bandana that he was wearing around his, his mouth and his nose so that he could go back up into the impact zone uh, into the fires to help more people and, and try to get them out. Unfortunately, he never made it out uh, himself as the tower collapsed before he could get back out. But it's people like this, people like this red bandana guy uh, who are, are heroes that, that go the opposite way and put their lives on the line and they show immense charity to complete strangers in need. Our lesson from Leviticus this morning talks about going the opposite way. God says this, Speak to the Israelites and tell them this, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do as they do in the land of Egypt, where you lived. You shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan, to which I am bringing you. Do not walk in their religious practices. God says, you are to go the opposite way of everyone around you. And he tells them why, too. Three times in just five verses, God says, because I am the Lord, which is to say, I am holy. And to be my people, you are to be holy, too. The word holy, by the way, means set apart. Now, we might say different, but, but different is usually something that, that, that you've done. And you, you earn that, that title, oh, well, she's different. But what God is doing, when he sets things apart, is that he sets things apart that could not set themselves apart. He sets buildings apart, a, a temple, to, to be where the worship of the true God is. To be used solely for the purpose of the worship of the true God. He sets places apart, a, a hill, a rock. He sets a book apart. And he sets people apart. And he says, to be holy, you are to not do what everyone else around you is doing. You are to be set apart. Do you recall the, the account of the golden calf? Moses has gone up the mountain, Mount Sinai, uh, to receive the Ten Commandments. And, and the people down there, oh, he's up there a long time, and so they get tired of waiting. And they tell Aaron to make them a golden calf for them to worship. 
I think sometimes for us there's a disconnect with that story because we think, well, how, how foolish, how stupid could these people be? I mean, they just up and decide to make a new God. They see Aaron make it right in front of them. How could they possibly not know that this is a fake God? But that's really not what happened. If you read the story in context, uh, what they had asked Aaron to do was to make them an image like the Egyptians had and like the Canaanites had. See, they still wanted and they, they thought they were going to worship the true God, but they wanted to do it in a way that the Egyptians were doing and the way that the Canaanites were doing. In other words, they got bored with the worship God had given them. And they wanted to be entertained. They wanted to do something more exciting like these other religions around them. And so they sinned not only against the first commandment by making another God, but they sinned against the second and third commandments because they failed to worship God in purity. They failed to keep the worship of God holy and set apart. See, they didn't replace the worship of God. They, they simply allowed other things to come in and corrupt it. They mixed the worship practices of the world around them in with the worship of the true God. A few weeks ago, there was a leak at a chemical plant in Indiana that, that put a small amount of poisonous chemicals into Lake Michigan. And they got in major trouble for failing to acknowledge it. Now, you think of Lake Michigan, and Lake Michigan is huge. What is a, a small amount of poisonous chemicals going to do for the entire lake, right? In fact, most people wouldn't even care. You would care, however, if you were one of those families that had gone swimming in the lake right next door to the plant. See, this is what God is doing. This is why God is adamant about keeping things pure and set apart. It's always for the benefit of the neighbor. And this is true charity. Charity is going the opposite way of the world around you and keeping things set apart. When the world says, for instance, that it doesn't matter who you sleep with or when, charity is not doing whatever feels good for you, but what is objectively good for the other person. And objectively, outside of the bond of a godly marriage, sleeping with someone hurts relationships, as well as hurting names and reputations. It hurts the other person. Charity is keeping the marriage bed pure and holy. Showing charity means to help, protect, defend, and befriend someone else. And in fact, it's laws against unnatural sexual relations that Leviticus goes into very, the very next thing, which were common among nations like Egypt, as well as how God's people were not to kill or sacrifice their babies as the Canaanites had done to Molech as a form of post-birth abortion. Instead, God says you are to love your neighbor as yourself, in Leviticus 19. And it's this command that the lawyer picks up on in our gospel lesson. And the lawyer thinks that, well, he's done just that. 
And because he had thought he had done just that, he expected the answer to his question, Lord, what must I do to inherit eternal life, to be what Leviticus 18 promised? Namely, that anyone who does them, that is, keep God's regulations and ordinances, will have life through them. Except, as Jesus shows through his parable of the Good Samaritan, the promise only applies if you perfectly serve your neighbor and love them with a whole heart. And this is something that no one could do. In the parable, the Pharisee and the priest, uh, the priest and the Levite that walked by, you might not realize this, but they were actually keeping the law. They were going to worship God. And to worship God rightly meant, according to the ceremonial law, that they couldn't touch a man who was unclean, or else they would be unclean too. And if they touched that, that man on the side of the road, they would be rendered unclean for their service as priests. And so they couldn't go to worship God then. And so they thought that they were being uh, holy, that they were being pure, because they were staying set apart. But what they didn't realize was that they had put God in opposition to their neighbor. They put the love of God in opposition to the love for their neighbor, the promise of God against the law. And so in striving to keep the law, they broke it. And this, by the way, is exactly what happens today when people say, that we need to be loving and accepting of everyone in their personal choices, no matter what they are. Only there, it, it's putting love for neighbor against the love of God and his laws. Charity, or love for our neighbor, is not against love for God. Instead, it's a result, or it's part of. It's with the love for God. It, it comes as a result of loving God. It's not opposed to the law of God, but that doesn't mean it's easy. In fact, to do both perfectly, to love God and love our neighbor, it's impossible. And that's precisely Jesus' point. But it seems cruel. It, it seems like if I were to, to promise a friend, I will give you my house if you run around the entire world without stopping once. It seems cruel because it's impossible. Nobody could do it. But God, in promising something for which we could not do, in promising life through keeping his ordinances, is not being cruel. God's being fair. To have salvation, to have heaven, is to be in perfection, to be in holiness, to be set apart, because heaven is perfectly set apart. And that requires that we be holy, that we be set apart. But we're not. We've corrupted ourselves. We've allowed the, the poison of sin to mix in with ourselves. So God's not cruel. He's fair. In fact, the one he's cruel to, if he's cruel at all, is his only begotten son. Because Jesus did keep all of God's regulations and ordinances, but instead of receiving life through them, as God promised, Jesus received death, death on the cross. 
and we received life. God works in the opposite way that we expect. And yet this is the most beautiful act of charity that has ever been done. Jesus did what we could not, what we did not. When we walked by our neighbor and ignored their needs and the good that we could do, the charity that we could do, Jesus goes the opposite way. Jesus was the good Samaritan, the one who gave his life, his, his whole heart to his neighbor. Jesus was the one who literally and fully loved his neighbor as himself. Jesus was willing to not only make himself unclean, to make himself like a servant, to take upon himself our sin and our filth, but to give up his life so that we could be clean. And instead of being rendered unclean by the law, Jesus perfectly fulfilled it. And so his holiness cleanses us. Jesus' holiness is given to us to make us holy, to make us set apart. Jesus was willing to be separated from God on the cross so that we could be set apart with God in heaven. Jesus goes the way we don't expect so that we could go the way that we don't deserve. That's God's charity towards us. May God grant us hearts to love God, to love him, and to love our neighbor. May he grant us hearts to go and do likewise. Through Jesus and in Jesus' name, amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now and ever shall be forevermore. Amen.